There are two organs that are absolutely vital in the body. Firstly, there is the brain, and secondly, there is the heart. And this applies spiritually as well. In the Bible, it says that Jesus is the head of the church, and the church is the body of Christ. Now, the brain is first because it tells every member what, of the body what to do and when to do it, and really even when not to do it what their function is in the heart secondly because it pumps the supply of the blood throughout the whole entire body and to be in the vein to be in the vein in the spirit and not to flow with the spirit will kill the body unless it is removed so today i encourage you in the spirit don't be a blood clot so as we dive deeper into this topic, I encourage you guys to all put on your spiritual scuba diving gear because as always, we are about to dive deep. My name is Imani Akins, and this is yet another episode of the Deeper Waters Podcast by Piscatus Brooks. In these days, we must understand the primary and necessary concept of biblical love. Not just any kind of love, but biblical love. Yes, it is both primary, firstly, and absolutely needed. It is needed first above all. Even within the Old Testament, if you read Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 6, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, all thy soul, all thy might, which means your resources. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And what does Jesus say about this commandment? In the New Testament. Well, let's look at it in a couple first passages passages. So the first passage we'll read here is Matthew twenty-two, verses thirty-seven through forty, and it says, Jesus said unto them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and all thy soul, and all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law of the prophets so we see this is the greatest commandment to love the lord and to love others and this hangs the whole law of even the prophets continuing to look deeper we see in mark chapter 12 verses 28 through 34 and it says, And one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, and perceived that he had answered them well, asked him, Which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandment is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, all thy mind and all thy strength and this is the first commandment and the second is like namely this thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself there is none other commandment greater than these and the scribe said unto him well master thou hast said the truth there is one god and there is none other but he and to love him with all the heart and with all understanding and with all the soul and with all the strength and to love his neighbor as himself is more than the whole of burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered discreetly, he said unto him, thou art not far from the kingdom of God. And no man durst ask him any question. So we see here that this love is absolutely necessary to be even near to the kingdom of God. If you don't understand this concept, you cannot really fully understand how the kingdom of God operates. So we see that the love that is in you of God is proven how we treat our neighbors. So what exactly is our neighbor? When you look in Mark chapter 12 verses not Mark chapter 12, but when you look at Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37, this neighbor that we are supposed to love is described further. 
And it says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answered, said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and all thy soul, and all thy strength, and all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. But he, the lawyer, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus answering said, A certain man went from Jerusalem to Jericho, and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment, and wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite, when he was at that place, came and looked on him, and passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went to him, and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him and on the morrow he departed he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him take care and whatsoever thou spendest more when i come again i will repay thee which now of these three thinkest thou was a neighbor unto him that fell among thieves and he said thou that he that shewed mercy on him. Then Jesus said, go and do likewise. Now, many times when you read this passage, you think about what exactly the position of the people are or how that the two people who were Jewish ignored the Jew, but the Samaritan, who was not a Jew, reached out to the person. But I think one thing we really need to focus on is what is said at the end. He that shewed mercy on him. That is one thing that we need to make sure that we always do. Proverbs 3 and 3 says, Let not mercy and truth forsake thee, but bind them about thy necks and write them upon the table of thine heart. It also says in Proverbs 20 verse 28, Mercy and truth preserve the king, and his throne is upholden by mercy. Mercy is necessary in the kingdom, and it must be within your heart in order for it to flow out so we need to make sure that we are operating out of love this is how you operate out of love not just the love of god but also the love to your neighbor you must show mercy in your daily life even to the people who you may not be related to people who you think don't necessarily deserve it no position relinquishes that so we see here multiple times throughout the scripture it records the same thing love love first to god and then love to others so first let's focus on the love of god so in romans chapter 12 verse 1 it starts with saying i beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of god that you present yourselves your bodies a living sacrifice holy acceptable unto god which is your reasonable service and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Remember to love God with all your mind, that ye may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to, Think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one member, every one members of one another. Having then the great gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy let us prophesy according to the proportion of our faith, or ministry let us wait in our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. 
Let love be without dissimulation, which means without hypocrisy. Abhor that which is evil and cleave to that which is good. So we're looking at the love of God here. Be kindly affectioned one toward another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. And if he thirst, give him drink. For in doing so, thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. So we see right here the overcoming power of love. I know another scripture says, and a commonly quoted scripture, that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. So love is a weapon that is used to overcome any and all evil, simply obeying the word of God to follow him, not to be hypocritical with our love, to abhor what is evil that is included in the love of God, but also cleaving to what is good. Loving your brother as yourself, loving everybody around you, loving even your enemy is included in the love of God. To rejoice in hope and to be patient and to be able to long suffer even through tribulations, that is a part of the love of God. To distribute to the saints, to give what is needed, to be meet the need is a part of love. To bless those, even those who curse you, is a part of the love of God. It's not an easy thing to do, but that is a part of what it said from the very beginning, not to be conformed to those world, not to treat people the way that they treated you, and not even always treating people the way that you want to be treated, but preferring one another to put their needs first. That's not an easy thing, but that is why the very first verse said, I beseech you, therefore, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. One preacher that I've listened to a lot of recently is Mark Morgan. And there's one message that he wrote, the message, uh, one message that he preached. And it was the message of the last apostle. And there was one point that he made that was just so powerful to me. And I'll probably link this down in the description below. But he said he was talking about crucifying yourself. And that is a part of the walk of God. And I know we've talked about that in the previous episodes recently. But one thing that he one point that he made he had somebody come up and act like they were crucifying themselves and they had their hand out and they put one nail on one hand and then they he said okay nail the other hand in and he's like i can't because i already nailed the sand in and that was the point that he was trying to show that god has quote unquote agents of crucifixion people that are sent in your life solely to humble you sent into your life solely to crucify you fully you can't crucify yourself fully you can do your part there is a part that you have to do to willingly lay yourself down but somebody has to finish your finish the job and that is part of what happens when you go from faith to faith and glory to glory a seed must first die in order to become the wheat of grain in order to become the harvest that it is meant to be so every time we're going to go into a new season there's always going to be a suffering there's always going to be a hardship a lot of times it's going to come in the form of a person it's not always but there's always going to be that bit of hardship that comes in and to finish the job of being a sacrifice and this is also part of the reason why we must die daily. And this is what happens. You can only do this not by being conformed to the ways of this world, but being transformed by the spirit of God, by the love of God. And we will be able to continue in this and to continue to grow in this. It's not an easy thing to do, but it is done by the spirit. 
So continuing on in Matthew chapter five, we see quite a few principles of the kingdom and laws of the kingdom. So as I turn here, Matthew chapter five, it talks so much about the kingdom and even about love. So this is the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5 and verse 1. And seeing the multitude, he went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for the righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely, for my name's sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt hath lost its savour, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am come to fulfill, come not to destroy, but to fulfill. And this is what we were talking about earlier the greatest commandment of the kingdom to love first God and to love your neighbor as yourself. That is the law of the prophet. So he didn't come to destroy that, but he came to fulfill it. He didn't come to necessarily translate it, but he came to interpret the law as we read on further in this very scripture. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore shall break one of the least commandments shall and shall teach men so he shall be called the least in the kingdom of God but whosoever shall do and teach them so not just be a teacher but in a speaker of a word but doing it to have some action behind your words the same shall be called great in the kingdom of God for I say unto you that except your righteousness succeed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees ye shall not enter the kingdom of heaven Notice it said the kingdom of heaven, not the kingdom of God. There's multiple times where it talks about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. So you're not going to heaven if you are only looking like you're doing the part and acting kind of tradition and not actually living and having it in your heart. The word of God is the discern of the heart and the intents of the heart, which is why we must not be conformed, but transform in our mind and our heart and in our soul and be full of mercy. This is the only way that we can enter into the kingdom of God, and that is through his spirit. So picking up in verse 21, it says, Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother Raka, which is a term of content, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say thou fool shall be in danger of hellfire. Wow, that is pretty intense. But that's what the word of God says. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar and rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar and go thy way. First be reconciled to that brother, then come and offer that gift. Remember what we were talking about earlier when we were talking about the greatest commandments, that God's first desire isn't necessarily 
offerings and sacrifices, but to have it truly within your heart. It's not that sacrifice isn't necessary, but obedience must precede the sacrifice because obedience is greater than sacrifice. And what is obedience? It's the love of God. John 14 and 15, John 15 and 14, all of 1 John tell us what the love of God is, and that is to follow him in obedience. And when we follow him in obedience, we will forgive. We will mean everything that we do in our heart, and we will show love to our neighbors, and we will do everything with honesty and integrity. So before we even try to offer a gift, and before we give a gift on the altar, first we will make sure that we are good with others and that we are made perfect in charity. So, picking up in verse 25, agree qu with thine adversary quickly when thou art in the way with them, lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and thou be cast into prison. Verily I say unto you, thou shalt by no means come out thence until thou hast paid the uttermost farthing. Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her, hath committed adultery already in his heart. And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out, and cast it from thee, for it is unprofitable for thee, that one of thy members should perish, and not the whole body should be cast into hell. And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it off from thee, for it is profitable that one of thy members should perish and not thy whole body should be cast into hell. So right here we see that he's interpreting the law. He is fulfilling the law when he's speaking here. He's not doing away with it, but he's actually expounding on it. He's interpreting it, not translating it word for word, but telling the intent of the law that we need to get within our hearts. Furthermore, it says to cut off the members that are causing us to sin and causing us to even have the intention to sin, the intention to be tempted to cut off those very members. I know I was watching a teaching on deliverance, not necessarily that you necessarily need to be fully possessed to be delivered, but you can get yourself into sin and yield yourself to sin and be out of the grace of God. And if you use your hand to sin and you've not living in the grace of God, then that hand can be led by the devil. Your eyes can be led by the devil, which is why we must confess our faults for one, but two, also get delivered from that as well. We must quote unquote, cut off those members. And the same thing even goes from the church. Anybody who's causing any quarrels and any division in the body, anything that is going against the will of God, that member must be cut off. So we need to make sure that we are completely and totally surrendered to God. So if you are struggling with things and you are even in the church, you are filled even with the Holy Ghost, you have things that you need to cut off. You need to make sure that things, any part of your body, no part of your body is yielded to the devil. So you need to make sure that you are delivered from that. And Jesus is still able to do that for you. So continuing on in verse 31. And it hath been said, whosoever shall put away his wife, let him give her a writing of divorcement. But I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery. And whosoever shall marry her that is divorced committeth adultery. We see right here, this is a major thing overlooked even within the church. But what the Bible says is sin is still sin. So just make sure that you pay attention to that. The Bible said what it said. I didn't make that up. So verse 33, it says, again, Ye have heard that it hath been said by them of old time, Thou shalt not forswear thyself, but shalt perform the unto the Lord thine oaths. But if but I say unto you, swear not at all, neither by heaven for it is God's throne, nor by earth for it is his footstool, neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king, neither by now, neither shalt thou swear by the head, because thou canst not make one hair white or black. But let your communication, yea, be yea, and nay, be nay. For whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. I know recently this conviction right here, this spiritual desire, actually, I would say, because conviction isn't necessarily even a word in the Bible. 
this desire came over me to really watch the words that I say. The words that we say have so much power. We need to be responsible for everything that we say. Even so much of this interpretation of the commandment to love one another, not to speak evil of one another. There's so much power in our sense. Death and life are in the power of our tongue. So we need to be very careful what we say and to mean what we say, to have intention behind every word that we say. That's why we should be slow to speak and quick to listen. But even what it says here, not to swear by heaven, no, not many people I know do that. But I do mean, no, this is popular culture to swear on God, to swear and say hell before yeah or hell before no or heck even. But God says right here, let your yay be yay and your nay be nay. And even though it's popular or just quote unquote Christian curse word, a sissy kiss curse word, that is still a curse. And you are binding yourself to a curse. That is why it's a curse word. It's a swear word. A swear is still a curse word because they're bringing a curse upon yourself. And even saying something like, for the example, heck before no, that is still a problem. And I know that's something that God had to deal with me with, even me. So I'm not saying that. At, from a perfect place. I'm just saying that from interpreting, interpreting the scripture for what it says. So we need to be intentional about what we say and just let our yes be yes and our no be no. We don't need to put anything before it, anything after it. Just mean what you say because anything more than that cometh of evil and not just for evil for others, but mainly evil for you. So continuing on verse 38, it says, you have heard it had been said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth but i say unto you that ye resist not evil but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek turn unto him the other also and if any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat let him have thy cloak also and whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile go with him twain too Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies, and bless them which curse you. Do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you, and persecute you that ye may be the children of your father which is in heaven for he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust for if ye love them which love you what reward have ye do not even the publicans the tax collectors which were a shameful people at the time do the same thing and if ye salute your brethren only what do ye more than others do not even the publicans do so be ye therefore perfect or whole, even as your father in heaven is perfect. So we must wholly follow the law. In order to be a holy sacrifice, we must wholly, completely follow after God and all these statutes. We must follow him in all of our ways. And that is the love of God. Another point I want to make here is talking about what it was talking about earlier about following after the way of God and in this kingdom and when we are following after his ways then we are like a light that is set in a city and we are like a light in a candlestick and that reminds me of a part of Revelation written by the Apostle John the revelation of Jesus Christ and there is a part in chapter 2 and chapter 3 where there's a letter written to each of the seven churches and the first letter is recorded from chapter two, verses one through seven. And it says, and to the angel or the teacher, the messenger of the church of Ephesus, write these things. He that saith, he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy work and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst bear them, which are evil and thou which hast Thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne them, and hast patience, and for my name's sake has labored, and has not fainted. So we see, he commends them. God commends them for working hard. But nevertheless, have I somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. 
Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. And this, but this thou hast done, that thou hatest the deed of the Nicolaitans, which I hate also. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. To him that overcometh, I will give to eat the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. So we see here, once again, love and overcoming being in the same place, doing good. So works are important, but at the end of the day, we must do them all with love. Everything that we do must be love done with love. For one, we are also a light and we are a part of a church. Our light that Jesus has given us is the part which should not be hidden under a bushel, but it should be on a candlestick. It should be a part of a church. You should be attached to a church. But it's saying here that in this scripture in Revelation, in this letter, that if you are not in your first love, not even necessarily the second love, but first love, obedience to God, which your obedience to God will be shown in the way that you love one another, then your candlestick will be taken away. The church will be taken away. And we see the church of Ephesus isn't necessarily there anymore. We need to make sure that we go back to our first love and do the first works to repent, to go back to the basics sometimes of what the word of God says, to operate out of love, to operate out of the way that he taught us originally. Living in this love and living it to the fullest is important to inherit not just the kingdom of heaven, but to be a part of the kingdom of God. So to further expound on this topic, we will turn to Luke chapter six. And verse one, it says, and it came to pass on the second Sabbath after the first that he went through the cornfields and his disciples plucked the ears of corn and did eat rubbing them in their hands. And certain of the Pharisees said unto them, why do ye that which is not lawful to do on the Sabbath days? And Jesus answering them said, have not ye read as this, what David did when he himself was in hunger and they which were with him and how he went into the house of God and to take and eat of the showbread and gave also to them that were with him which it is not lawful to eat but for the priest alone and he said unto them that the son of man is lord also of the sabbath and it came to pass also on another sabbath he entered into the synagogue and taught and there was a man whose right hand was withered and the scribes and the Pharisees watched him, whether he would heal on the Sabbath day, that they might find an accusation against them. But he knew their thoughts. We know that Jesus is the word of God, and he's able to discern the heart and the thoughts and intents. So Jesus was able to do so because he is the word of God. But continuing on, he knew their hearts, and he, he knew their thoughts, I'm sorry, and said to the man which had with had the withered hand, rise up and stand forth in the midst. And he arose and stood forth. Then Jesus said unto them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save a life or to destroy it? And looking around about them, he said unto them, man, stretch forth thy hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored whole as the other. And they were filled with madness and communed with one another that they might, what they might do to Jesus. So they were jealous of those. And when, and it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called unto him, his disciples. I also just want to point out how long he prayed. He prayed all night long. And you think you're going to have any sort of power without putting for God first to obey him and to communicate with him. No, this prayer is necessary for power. Prayer is power. It's that connection to God that is power. So if you think you're going to be anointed and not pray, you've, you've got it all wrong. So continuing on, even Jesus prayed, just saying he's the way, the truth and the light. So time and prayer, it's going to be time and power. Time and prayer is going to be time of revelation. But anyways, before I go off on a tangent, Verse 13, 
And when it was day, he called unto him his disciples, and of them he chose twelve, whom also he named apostles, Simon, who was also named Peter, and Andrew his brother, James and John, Philip and Bartholomew, Matthew and Thomas, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas the brother of James, and Judas Iscariot, which also was the traitor. And he came down with them and stood in the plain, the great company of his disciples, a great multitude of people in all Judea and Jerusalem, and from the sea coast of Tyre and Sidon, which came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And they that were vexed with unclean spirits, and they which were healed, and the whole multitude sought to touch him, for there went out virtue out of him and healed them all. And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed be ye poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed be ye that hunger now, for ye shall now ye shall be filled. Blessed are ye that weep now, for ye shall laugh. Blessed are ye when men shall hate you, and when they shall separate you from their company, and shall reproach you, and cast you out your name as evil for the son of man's sake rejoice ye in that day and leap for joy for behold your reward is great in heaven for in the like manner did their fathers unto the prophets but woe unto you that are rich and ye have received your consolation woe unto you that are full for ye shall hunger Woe unto you that have now, for ye shall mourn and weep. Woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. But I say unto you which do hear, love your enemies, do good to them that hate you, bless them that curse you, and pray for them which despitefully use you. And unto him that smiteth thee on one cheek, offer also the other and cloak him and and him that taketh away the cloak forbid him not to take thy coat also give to every man that asketh of thee and of him that taketh away thy goods ask them not again and as ye would that men should do to you do ye also to them likewise for if ye love them which love you what thank ye thank ye have for the sinners also love those that love them. So that he's saying, what credit do you even have for that? If you just love for people who love you, sinners do that. But we, as disciples of God, followers of God, crucifying our flesh and crucifying our own way, being living sacrifice, have to lay down our own will and to love those, even people who do us wrong. That is part of the love of God. And that is also included as loving your neighbor. Loving your enemy is still loving your neighbor. And if you lend to them of whom ye hope to receive, what credit or thank ye have? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love ye your enemies and do good and lend hoping for nothing again. So don't expect to get the money back that you lend. Just give it. And your reward shall be great. And ye shall be the children of the highest, for he is kind to the unthankful and to the evil. Be ye therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. So we see how prevalent this mercy is. Mercy is very important. Mercy is a way of the kingdom, and it's part of the way of holiness, mercy and truth. Not just truth, but also executing the truth first with mercy. So continuing on. Verse 37, judge not and ye shall not be judged. Condemn not and ye shall not be condemned. Forgive and ye shall be forgiven. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, shall men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured unto you again. So that concept of sowing and reaping. God will never be mocked. Everything that you sow, you will get reaped in a deeper and greater intensity. I know even a verse in Proverbs, something that I read earlier today, 
was talking about how the righteous will be recompensed more than the wicked, but everybody will reap what they sow. Everything that you sow, you will reap in a greater and larger and deeper intensity. So we need to be very careful what we do. So continuing on in verse 39, and he spake a parable unto them. Can the blind lead the blind? Shall they both not both fall into the ditch? The disciple is not above his master, but every one that is perfect shall be as his master. And as, and why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but perceivest not the beam in thine own eye? Either thou canst, either how canst thou say to thy brother, brother, let me pull out the mote that is in thine eye, when beholdest thou not the beam that is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite. Cast out first the beam of thine own eye, then shalt thou see clearly to pull the moat out that is out of thy brother's eye. So, following this love of God, we have to love God first. We need to follow God in obedience first before we love others. The love of God will affect how we love others. So, if we are so busy on trying to correct others, we won't be able to love them correctly because we haven't even corrected ourselves. But if we follow after God in obedience, and we get ourselves together, which really that's not even by our own power, but turning to God in prayer and in love and worship to him and following after him, then we will be able to love others properly, whether that be in loving in exhortation or in rebuke. Either way, you will be able to do so how God wants you to because you will see clearly with revelation. For a good tree, verse 43, for a good tree bringeth not forth corrupt fruit, neither doth a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. For every tree is known by his own fruit. For of thorns men do not gather figs, nor a bramble, do, bramble bush do they gather grapes. A good man out of the treasure of his own heart bringeth forth that which is good and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil for out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh and why call ye me lord lord and do not the things which i say whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them i will show you to whom he is like he is like a man which built a house and dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock and when the flood arose the stream beat vehemently on that house and could not shake it for it was founded upon a rock but he that heareth and doeth it not is like a man which without foundation hath built his house upon the earth and which the stream did beat vehemently and it immediately fell and was great ruin on that house so we need to make sure that we follow after God with our heart and not just out of the commandment. So earlier we even see that Jesus and his disciples were judged by the Pharisees because they were doing, trying to follow God out of their flesh and not out of the intention of their heart. Instead of following God with love, they were trying to be be better than people they were trying to do things from their flesh and they were just holding vain traditions doing vain worship but they weren't serving god in the spirit and in truth but it is very important jesus did not come to do away with the law but he came to interpret the law to fulfill the law so he showed them that they were so concerned about preserving tradition and preserving the Sabbath that they were not operating out of love in order to see people healed, to see people that were hungered have food. They were angry at all this because they did not have the love within our hearts. The word of God, Jesus, discerns the heart and the intents of the heart. So we need to make sure that we surrender to him in obedience. That's what it was saying at the end that people would call out lord lord but don't do the things that he say loving god must be obedience proverbs 28 verse 9 says he turneth away his ear from hearing the law he that turneth away his ear from hearing the law even his prayer shall be an abomination so i encourage you don't let your prayers be an abomination do what god says following after the commandment of god 
That is how you become a friend of Jesus. You become a friend of the word of God and you follow after the word of God and then it will benefit you. I encourage you guys all, whatever you feel like you're not being obedient in, surrender that thing and let your heart be changed. Let your soul be changed. It will greatly benefit you. So continuing on in first Corinthians, this chapter chapter 13 is sandwiched right in between the two power chapters the two chapters that talk about the gifts the gifts of the spirit and prophecy and all that but right in the middle he takes a pause and puts emphasis on one thing so let's see what that one thing is so first corinthians chapter 13 verse 1 Though I speak with the tongue of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as a sounding brass or as a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mystery and have all knowledge and have all faith so that I can remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long, and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. It is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own. It is not selfish. It is not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, or expecting all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth, but where there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish. For we know in part, we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass or a mirror darkly. But then face to face, now I know in part. But then shall I know even also as I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, and charity, these three. But the greatest of these three is charity. Now, note you'll notice throughout the Bible in the old um in the New Testament, in the King James Version anyway, that there's a difference between charity and love. Love is the manifestation of the first commandment, the greatest commandment, and charity is the manifestation of the second commandment. Charity is a form of love, but it is a form of love that is needed within the church. Charity is needed in the church, and charity is needed when you're operating out of the spirit. Now, you can have faith, you can have expectation, you can have faith, a substance of things hoped for and evidence of things not seen. You can have power, but at the end of the day, the greatest thing you need is charity because that is what is needed to operate in the spirit. This was put right in the middle of talking about spiritual gifts. So before we even operate in power, we need to understand that we need to do so for the edification of the church. And even as you read into the next chapter, it talks about prophecy and tongues of being about edification, tongues being edification to the individual and prophecy being edification to the entire church. So we need to understand that the purpose of being endued with power is not for pride, but to be humble and to seek the needs of others first. That is charity. Another thing you notice is in verse 11, it says, when I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child and I thought as a child. But when I became a man, when I became spiritually mature, I put away childish things. One thing you notice is the way it is listed is listed completely backwards. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child and I thought as a child. We need to think before we speak. We need to think. We need to understand and we need to speak from that. We need to think about the things we say before we say it, understand the effects of the things that we say before we say it, and the power of the words that we say, especially the additional power of being filled with the Holy Ghost when we say things before we speak, which is why it is so important that we do not bite and devour one another, that we do not gossip maliciously. That is probably the biggest church sin is gossip, and that is going to prevent all healing. Before a prerequisite of healing, you'll read it over and over again in the New Testament, is forgiving. You need to be able to forgive in order to operate out of power. 
so charity in order to flow in the vein of the spirit in the power of the spirit in the gifts of the spirit and in the fruits of the spirit we must be able to operate out of love you'll notice when in galatians chapter 5 when it talks about the fruits of the spirit it talks about love joy peace patience or not even patience long suffering but anyways the love is the very first thing mentioned we must be able to be obedient and we must be able to love one another this love is needed this charity is needed in order to operate the way that god wants us to operate so the concluding passage here i want to read in colossians chapter 3 and this is something that i read all the time now because this has become an anthem of this year, especially starting from the summertime. I've just read this over and over and over again, chapter three. And it says the following in verse one. If ye be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above and not on things on the earth for ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ and God when Christ who is our life shall appear then shall ye also appear with him in glory mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth fornication uncleanness inordinate affection evil conspicuous and covenantness which is all idolatry so if you are participating in any of these things you are participating in idolatry which is an abomination to god which is why we must mortify those things verse 6 for which things sake the wrath of god cometh on the children of disobedience the wrath of god comes from what being disobedient being disobedient no matter what sacrifice you present is going to bring the wrath of god that's why it says all things work together for them that love god not for those who he loves we must love god for things to work out for us because if we don't love him and we don't follow after him in obedience then we are going to bring the wrath of god on our own selves when we speak maliciously about people i know i've done it a lot in the past but when we speak maliciously about people that's how we bring a curse upon ourselves which is why we need to bless those who persecute us and not curse them because when we curse them and we swear and we do all these different things we are bringing a curse upon ourselves and the wrath of god comes upon us so continuing on verse 7 in which ye also walked sometime when ye lived in them but now ye also put off all these we need to put all of these off anger wrath malice blasphemy filthy communication out of your mouth lie not one to another seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds and put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him where there is neither greek nor jew circumcision nor uncircumcision barbarian scythian bond nor free but christ is all in all Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy, beloved, bowels and mercies. Remember, mercy was one of the first things we talked about. Mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind. You must be humble, not prideful. Humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing, which means being able to restrain yourself whenever you want to do the wrong thing. Forbearing and forgiving one another. If any man hath a quarrel against you, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. So we need to be able to hold back the word. You remember what we said, when you become spiritually mature and not a child in God, you will be able to think before you speak, understand before you speak, and then speak. So we need to be able to restrain whenever we want to gossip, restrain whenever we want to speak maliciously, and also be able to forgive those who speak maliciously against us because when we give we are able to receive so verse 14 and above all these things put on charity which is the bond of perfectness and that is it right there i could stop right here the charity is the bond of perfectness the charity the love for your brethren the love of god within you is able to bond you and make you whole perfect whole in the body of christ this is how you get in the vein of the spirit when you plead the blood and you are a part of the blood of christ a part of the body a part of the adoption of christ 
when you are operating out of love, when you put others before you, even your enemies before you, when you operate out of charity, pray that you will be perfected in this charity, perfected in the love of God. This is how you operate in the vein of the spirit. And if you are not operating out of charity, you cannot operate out of the vein because this is the vein that connects us to the head and connects us to the heart. This is the vein that connects us to Christ. And this is the vein that connects us to the church of God. So we must be connected both to Christ and his body, the church. And we must do everything in love, even to those who are not doing the right thing in the moment. This is how we operate out of power. This is how we get in the vein and we become sensitive in the spirit when we do so with intention of love. In verse 15, let your the peace of God rule in your hearts. This is how the peace of God rules in your heart through love to the which ye are called in one body and be ye thankful. Notice when in Galatians 5, it says love, joy, peace. When we are living in love, we will also live in peace. So continuing on, verse 16, let the word of God dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with the grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands, as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men-pleasers but in singleness of heart fearing god and whatsoever ye do do it heartily as unto the lord and not unto men knowing that of the lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance for ye serve the lord christ but he that doeth wrong shall receive the wrong which he hath done and there is no respect of persons and i think it's good also to read verse one of chapter four because it goes right along with this masters give unto your servants that which is just and equal knowing that ye have a master in heaven so we see in all these things operating out of charity it is a two-way thing you being able to submit to somebody but also them being able to submit to you to submit an idea, to give an idea, but also to be able to take an idea, to give love, but also to be able to receive love, to make it a two-way thing. That's how we are supposed to operate as the church, not just to love, but also for them to love you back. This is the way that God wants it to be, even in the lines of authority, even when you are operating correctly in the church, you know, you should be submitting to your authorities, but those authorities should also love you, even in the home. You should obey and submit to your parents, but your parents should not provoke you to anger. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, that it's an excuse not to be obedient and submissive, but we need to make sure that we are not rebellious in these ways. So we must operate in charity in all the ways of our life. Another thing we notice here that unity is not bound by unity. You just unifying for the straight sake of being unified, being in one accord for, or in one place, should I say, not in one accord. Being in unity, being together does not mean that you are bound together. But it says right here, charity is the bond of perfectness. This is the thing that makes us whole. Proverbs 11, 21 says, Though hand join in hand, the wicked shall not be unpunished, but the seed of the righteous shall be delivered. Furthermore, in Proverbs 6, verse 5, it says, Everyone that is of a proud and a proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though hand join in hand, the, he shall not be unpunished. So this is not just any kind of unity. This unity is bound by mercy and truth. This is the love of God. Charity is the bond of perfectness. Love is the thing that needs to bind us together. And without love, you have nothing. Without love, Everything that you do is pointless. You need to have this charity in order to bond you, in order to connect you to God and also to connect you to the church. The church is not a location, but it is the fellowship of the believers in the spirit. It is in the same spirit. You'll notice even the fruits of the spirit and the desires of the spirit. 
It doesn't say the desires of your spirit, but of the spirit. We are baptized into the same spirit, which means these so-called convictions, these desires should be producing the same results. You will know people by the results that they produce, not necessarily the results of who you bring to church, the amount of people, but the results they produce, the fruits they produce. Do they produce love? Do they produce joy? Do they produce, or do they produce lust? Do they produce envy? Do they produce hate? That's how you can gauge if these desires are of the spirit. We need to be operating out of love. Even in Acts, we see the church was born when they were in one mind and in one accord. And even as we were reading earlier in Luke chapter six, when Jesus was gathering his disciples together right before, right after he told about the commandments of God and to love, Jesus got his church together and then taught them how to love. He got his 12 disciples, even one that he knew would be a traitor from the very beginning. That point of that traitor was to finish the job of crucifixion. Jesus died to himself, but even then he needed somebody to deliver him unto death. So even when we have people who do us wrong, we still have to continue to love them. But we notice too that he gathered his all of those believers together, all 12 of them and more, and taught them the laws of the kingdom, and most importantly, how to love even the enemy that is placed in your life to further crucify you. So we need to continue to love. The church in Acts was born when they were in one mind and in one accord. Now, modern days, accord is a twofold definition. Accord for one is to be in one mind, but accord also means to do with power. So we must understand when we are harmonious, when we are in one mind, and when we are in one accord, God will undo us, grant us, accord us with his power. Psalm 133, 1 through 3 says, and this is the whole chapter, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell in unity. It is like the precious ointment on the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, which went down to the skirts of his garments. And as the dew of Hermon that it descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. We see at the very end, there in the midst of the unity, the blessing is commanded right in the midst of the love and the unity the unity in the spirit and in truth and mercy and in truth there in the midst of all that is where the power was released on the Acts church. And nowadays when I even see, and I've even seen it in my own life, I'm not free from this. I need to work on this, but I see now so many people who are filled with the Holy ghost talking tongues and all this stuff, but then they, use that same tongue to tear down themselves. They use that same tongue to tear down others in their family and in their churches. And this is exactly the thing that was preached time after time, epistle after epistle, gospel after gospel, not to do. We need to make sure that we go back to this first love, to be obedient to God and in that obedience to love one another, to put a filter in our mouth, Lord, limit our words in Jesus name, that we will be able to speak words with power, to have the tongue of the learned, to speak the word in due season, and to have the soft answer that turns away wrath. So this is what is required to be bound together in love and in charity, love to God and obedience to God first and charity, loving one another. So as we close this podcast episode, let us pray now. Father God, I thank you for all that you do and everything that you're getting ready to do and manifest in our life. For we know that everything you did is done and we have yet to see it. So we continue forth in faith and expectation. But Lord, we pray in Jesus name that you will perfect your love within us, perfect your charity within us. May we no longer backbite. May we no longer operate out of envy and jealousy and anger, but may we operate in peace and in your love, love toward one another, to be patient, to be able to long suffer, to die to ourselves and our own desires, and to put on the desires, the convictions of your spirit, to walk in the power of your spirit, to walk in the love of your spirit, and to walk not just for the edification of ourselves, not with selfishness, but with selflessness and love for one another. May that love 
be perfected within us, Father. In Jesus' name, give us revelation in this concept. Give us knowledge in this concept and knowledge of who you are so that we can be even more like you. Jesus, we praise you. We thank you for all that you've done. Father God, in Jesus' name, we pray all this. Amen. I pray that each and every one of you would be challenged to understand what charity is, to understand what love is, and to continue to pray for that to be perfected in you. Let the Spirit of God discern your hearts and your intents. Read the Word of God and be washed by it. Let your mind not be conformed to the way the world tells you to be, but to be transformed by the Word of God, by the name of Jesus, by His Spirit and to lead you into becoming something new, to do new actions, to have control over your mouth whenever you want to swear, whenever you want to do things that are not of God, and to be mindful of your words, mindful of your thoughts, and mindful of your intentions, to not be a child, but to be spiritually mature, to think before you speak, to understand before you speak, and to do things with the kingdom in mind. Seek first the kingdom. I encourage you all. But until next time, I thank every one of you guys for listening, and I pray that each and every one of you would have a blessed day. In Jesus' name, God bless.